14 is burgundy. Good morning, everybody. Let's stand together. It's good to see all of you on this beautiful day. Welcome to everyone who's tuning in online. Let's praise the Lord together. Praise Him, you beating heart. Sorry. Galaxies all in motion. You know what I mean. Praise Him, you thunderclouds. Ringing throughout the heavens, from every mountain top to every wild ocean. Oh, hear all the universe sing praise. Oh, sing praise. Let everything that breathes, let all the earth proclaim. Great is the Lord our God, praise Him forever. Let all that is within me magnify His name. Great is the Lord our God, praise Him forever. Praise Him forever. Praise Him, you beating hearts, sing for the life He's given. Praise Him, you rescued ones, join in the sound of heaven. From every mountain top to every wild ocean, oh, hear all the universe sing praise. Sing it out, church. Oh, sing praise, let everything that breathes, let all the earth proclaim, great is the Lord our God, praise Him forever, let all that is within me magnify His name, great is the Lord our God, praise Him forever praise him forever he is worthy of our praise amen all right let's get our hands together just like this I'm alive. I'm alive because you're alive. I am free because you set me free. I'm alive. I'm alive in you, Jesus. I am yours because you said it so. I am loved and you won't let go. I'm alive. I'm alive in you, Jesus. Oh, Spirit, come, bring revival to our land. 
God's not dead. He is alive. He is Jesus. Nothing and no one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. Yes, He is. Our God. Our God is alive. Hey, death, where is your sting? No sin has claim on me. I'm alive, I'm alive in you, Jesus. No grave could hold my King, He stands. Victory, he's alive, he's alive in me, Jesus. Oh, you're alive, you're alive in me, Jesus. He is Jesus. Nothing and no one can stop him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. Now we are walking in freedom. Nothing as strong as our Jesus. Our God is alive. Yes, our God is alive. Once again, He's Jesus. He is Jesus. Nothing and no one can stop Him. Nothing as strong as our God is. Our God is alive. And He is risen. And now we are walking in freedom. And nothing as strong as our Jesus. Our God is alive. Our God is alive. grateful for that. Pastor Gary, you are up. Come on, sir. Yes, sir. It's all you now. Everyone, thank you so much for worshiping with us. Let's have a seat for a second. Thank you. 
Stand together one more time, church. And let's invite him to reign in us.
reign in us. We want to humbly surrender to you. We want to choose once again to do life your way. We want to walk in step with the Spirit. And we want to be available and faithful to do whatever you ask us to do. We pray this in Christ's name. seat everybody. I'd like to invite my friend Eric Clausen to the stage. Will you welcome Eric please? I'm going to stand right here that way I'm not in the camera shot. Uh, that's a Canadian sense of humor I Hang tell on. you. I gotta get my notes out so it looks there's the impression that I prepared. Okay. This is already off to a great start. Pretty (laughs) meager household. That's all I could find. You know, actually, do you have us both in frame? Because it's pretty important that, uh, are we, can you see us in there? Are we centered? Um, We don't need to be centered. I want us to be. So, (laughs) hey, before we get started here, I want to sincerely say congratulations to the Niner faithful. Really? My mom texted me after the game, you know, Garoppolo, she calls him Jimmy Gorgeous. <laughs> She's got a little bit of a crush on, uh, on Jimmy, which I get. He's a good-looking guy. And, uh, but she was excited uh, uh, of the, uh, about the ending of that game. So, uh, seriously, congratulations. You've made the Bay Area proud. Um, I've invited Eric up here today. Uh, in the same way that, you know, we've had uh, Carolyn spoke last week. Uh, prior to that, Steve Acord spoke. And prior to that, Kathy Gray spoke about what is working for them in their uh, daily Bible reading, in their daily encounter with God in his word. And um, <clears throat> so I wanted to hear today what Eric had to say about it, because what we're doing during our life in the spirit challenges, you know, we're asking you to do four things. We're asking you to, uh, to, to make Sunday morning worship a priority, make a participation in a small group a priority as well, to be praying through Galatians 5, 13 to 26, which Jen is going to read for us a little bit later, and then also uh, to be uh, spending time daily in, in God's word. I, I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. We can't get to know someone if we don't spend time with them. Right. So all of those things are super important. And so um, I think what we've heard so far from Carolyn, from Steve and from Kathy is some really helpful stuff about how to um, how to make the most of our time together with God in in his word. Uh, Influenced by Kathy and by Steve, I, I picked up a copy of the chronological Bible I'm having an interesting time trying to get used to it because we're going from Genesis to Job and back and forth, and it's really interesting. But it's it's really challenging, and and that's what it's all about. You know, God's Word is supposed to change you, right? It's not just a casual reading. So uh, enough of me talking. I want to hear from Mr. Klassen right now. Well, yeah, thanks for a long introduction. You know how much I like standing on the stage. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. Oh, gosh. What are you going <laughs> to coming up with new questions now? I kind of prepared for the other ones. Yeah. If you were a tree, what? <laughs> no. 
seriously, seriously, um, I want to know from you, sir, why is spending time in God's word and prayer on a daily basis important for you? Well, because in all gentleness and patience, I don't want my wife to beat me. No, I'm kidding. See, I was, Joe asked me to say that. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, it, it's, it's God's word to us. So, I mean, yeah. it, how do you connect with God unless you're in his word and, and praying? Um, it's connection time w- with our maker, the maker of heaven and earth, the maker of um, the universe. And, and uh, you know, I don't know how else you're going to really get to know God without being in his word. Um, for, for years, I had a poster. I finally got rid of it. It was uh, of Albert Einstein. Somebody may know him. Or know of him. I mean, he was a physics kind of guy, so some of the non-STEM may not have heard of him. Um, but yeah, he had this, uh, it was a poster of, of uh, Einstein, you know, with the wild hair. And it was, I want to know God's thoughts. The rest are details. And so if a pretty bright guy like Einstein to say he wants to know God's thoughts and the the rest of the stuff that he's playing with, you know, relativity and all that little nonsense. I mean, he wants to know God's thoughts, so how much more should we want to know what God has to say to us? And we're not going to get it from watching YouTube videos or TikToks or... (laughs) That's true. Maybe. I don't know. I don't (laughs) watch TikTok, so you may get theology there. I don't know. There's some creative stuff out there, but it's good to just put our nose in the book. So speaking of that, what does your personal time uh, in the Word and in prayer look like every day? How do you do it? On weekends, I start in the morning. I would read um, in the morning. On weekdays, it's after I come home from work. Mm-hmm. Um, in the winters, anyways. In the summer, it's always, uh, you know, get home, do a bit of yard work. And then it would be uh, time to read, you know, kind of wind down from the the work day um and uh both else and i were we try to go through the same um readings that way we can always kind of you know question each other or question why was it written this way or why would this guy do this or Mm -hmm. you know it's it's brings a little bit more of the um the depth of the reading when you can bounce it off someone who's reading the same thing uh, on the same day, mm-hmm. um, and right now we're going through. We've in the past we've gone through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, kind of you know in order of the books that they're put together. Last year we did the chronological, so we were like a year ahead of some of you folks. <laughs> not to not to brag or anything, but you know, been there, done that. And then th- this year, it, it's more of a, it's a mix. we got Old Testament and New Testament with, you know, we, so right now we got Genesis and we are doing Job and then um, Mark. And then it'll be still going through Genesis. And, you know, then I think we do some Psalms. And, then, you know, so th- there's a few other things mixed in with Old Testament. And then there's, so there's Old and New in the daily reading now. Awesome. Very cool. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And for the, the person here this morning who perhaps hasn't gotten into the habit of doing that, how, what kind of an encouragement or advice would you give to that person? It, advice, I would say, is to uh, to have a plan. Um, I can't just haphazardly open the Bible somewhere and try to really know what's 
what it's saying to you if you're mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, shooting arrows or darts mm-hmm. at the board. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of great um, ways to do it, different devotionals. Kathy mentioned, you know, the daily bread, and we have those in the back, mm-hmm. you know, because that has a plan for reading through the Bible in a year, and it has daily verses. We go through uh, the U version mm-hmm. Bible app, which has different reading plans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's free. It's good stuff. So um, it's not like you have to run to a bookstore or mm-hmm. order something from Jeff Bezos. Um, you know, so you can get it for free. And free is always good. Yeah. And so, so I have a plan. And I think another thing is to, to get involved in a group. So if you're not in a group, get involved in a group. You know, there are a lot of good groups. Just saying Tuesday, there's one at 7 o'clock that meets here. If you're anybody's interested. Uh-huh. And who might be leading that one? Uh, Jeff Bezos? No, somebody who's a little bit lower on the uh, wealth scale. Okay. <laughs> but who is a dual citizen, though? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah all right. We yeah, decided if you can say that one. Yeah, we decided during rehearsal today that, that they are Americans, Canadian Americans. Yep. So. Uh, well, thank you, man. Thank you so much for sharing uh, your heart with us and your practices. I really appreciate it. Will you thank Eric, please? Thank you very much. That was uh, certainly the most entertaining interview we've done so far. <laughs> can always count on that with Mr. Clausen. Thank you so much. Um, so um, before um, Jen comes up to uh, – in fact, Jen, why don't you go ahead and come on up, and you, you can grab your microphone right over there. Uh, before she does our scripture reading today, I'd like to uh, uh, let you know about our, our giving. We want to work, continue to worship today with our giving. And, you know, I say this every week, but I really, truly mean it. Thank you. Thank you so much for all of you who give faithfully and who give generously. We are incredibly grateful. Uh, what you give helps to build God's kingdom here. It helps to advance the gospel here in our community, and we are immensely grateful for that. And uh, if you're not familiar with the different ways that you can give, or anyone watching at home, if you're not familiar, I want to share them with you. First of all, you can give online on our website, which is at salonavalley.org forward slash giving. It'll show you how to do it there. If you have our SBC phone app, you can tap on the give button, and it'll uh, walk you through the steps for that as well. If, you, uh, if you'd like, uh, you can send a check to 1307 Oliver Road, Fairfield, 94534, and that'll get to us. You can also just text the word GIVE to 707-883-3019. And then finally, if you're here in person with us today, uh, behind our sound booth uh, in the wall back there is a silver mail slot that you can stick your uh, offering in. We have offering envelopes on the front table over there. Uh, that you can use and, um, and, and stick it in the, in, in the mail slot. So those are five different ways that you can give. Again, thank you so much for your giving. Thank you for your, your generosity. And uh, today uh, I've asked Jen Prodominski to read uh, from Galatians chapter 5, 13 to 26, which is kind of our theme passage, if you will, for this Life in the Spirit series. So Jen, take it away. I'm going to have you start. All right, I'm going to use technology 
and I have the Bible on my phone. So I'm going to go ahead and use this today. Good morning, everybody. I'm so glad to be here with you. We're happy to have you back, Joy. So glad you're back with us. All right, so here we go. Galatians 5, verses 13 through 26. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Galatians 5, 13 through 26. Let's pray about it. Dear God, we just want to thank you for your word, for giving us uh, this path that helps us walk in this really hard, sometimes Um, journey that we're on, God, but you have given us a lamp for our feet, and you are with us each step of the way. I pray, God, that we would walk by the Spirit, that we would embrace the freedom that we have in you, and that we would turn from our wicked, evil ways, and that we would seek righteousness, that we would seek love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and self-control all the days of our lives. Thank you for having mercy for us when we fail, Lord, when we fall short, and that you pick us right back up again and meet us right where we are. I I pray, God, that you would be with Gary today and just bless his message to us, that we would have open hearts to hear what it is you want us to hear, Lord. And we just pray these things in your mighty, mighty name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate that. Uh, Eric, thank you for sharing with us a little bit about your practices. uh, so really good to see you guys today, really is. Um, and if you're joining us from Facebook, YouTube, uh, really grateful that you joined us as well. Uh, so uh, when I was a kid, early childhood, uh, my life was, I would say, pretty good. I mean, uh, it was a joyful life. It was um, a life that was filled with uh, really meaningful relationships with my family uh, my parents, uh, with uh, my sister, with my cousins, aunts, uncles, uh, the friends, our neighborhood, our neighborhood that I grew up in was just incredibly friendly, and uh, and so for and then church for us was an extension of family. I mean, it was like the the kinds of relationships we had uh, with people were uh, really healthy, really good. So my early childhood years were years that were for the most part very very joyful years. 
Uh, you know, my, my middle school years and my high school years, I went through a time, and I've shared this with you guys before, when I went through some bullying and stuff like that. Uh, and with that, though, uh, because I never really felt safe talking about what I was going uh, through with other people, uh, for me, uh, there was a certain amount of uh, fear, a certain amount of pain, uh, a certain amount of anger that I really didn't know how to process. And because I didn't know how to process, all of that stuff got stuffed down inside of me. And with that, there came some depression, uh, even to a point at one point that I even considered taking my life uh, as a young person. And uh, I know this isn't an experience that everybody has, uh, but it is an experience that a significant amount of our population does have. Maybe not for the same reasons, maybe not in the same ways, uh, but in our world, uh, in our world, one in six people will struggle with depression. Did you know that? One in six. It's pretty high. One in six people will struggle with depression at some point or another in their life. Most people will first experience depression in their late teens, early 20s. Me, it started very, very early. By the way, it's something I battled throughout most of my life. I still, if I'm not careful, I can find myself, you know, drifting back into that. Uh, so it's been not just a struggle in my past. It continues at times to still be a, 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 a challenge for me. Uh, so, but most people experience depression in their late teens, early 20s. Uh, women, uh, I don't know if you know this, but women are more likely to suffer from depression than men. Uh, and, uh, and, and so uh, so depression is a very, very common uh, thing. Uh, in my case, I probably needed the help. I needed, I probably needed, first of all, I probably just needed someone who was a really good spiritual mentor. Uh, someone that I could just really open up with and I could talk with them about my pain, my anger, my fear, uh, that I could talk with about um, just these internal struggles I had. By the way, in our church, I love that we have Matt, I love that we have Jen working with our, our teenagers. And uh, that they are the kind of people I really think that, that a young person can't open up with. And I felt like I really needed that. I think I probably also needed the help of a trained professional, a Christian therapist. I think that probably would have been very, very good for me. And whether or not I actually needed meds of any kind, I do think there are times when meds can be very, very helpful. I do. Uh, so so uh, in, in our world, there is a lot of different kinds of depression. And we need to understand that not all depression is the same. By the way, I'm going to get to joy in a moment, okay? So if this feels depressing, I'm sorry. Uh, but it, there are a lot of different kinds of depression. There's uh, persistent depressive disorder, also sometimes called dystonia. I have a good friend of mine who is a therapist. He said he felt like this was my struggle. Uh, but it is uh, persistent depressive disorder, uh, postpartum depression, okay? Uh, and this is more than just the baby blues. This is uh, a, a more severe kind of depression, but it is very real, very serious. Psychotic depression, uh, some of you may be familiar with seasonal affective disorder, uh, bipolar disorder. Uh, and then also there is something that you may not be as familiar with. You may not have heard it called this before, but I believe it's something that is very real, very true. Uh, there's a, a man or, who is with the Lord now, but the preacher uh, of another, an author of another generation, his name was David Martin Lloyd-Jones, wrote a lot of books, some very, very good books on revival uh, and some other things. But he wrote a book called um, called Spiritual Depression, and he talks about, 
uh, about spiritual depression. Uh, and he, uh, he, he writes about this, uh, and he says this. He says that Christian people too often seem to be perpetually in the doldrums, okay? That, that they too often give this appearance of unhappiness and a lack of freedom and absence of joy. Can you smile for a moment, please? Can you? I mean, we're in the presence of God. Can we just smile for a moment, Okay. Uh, you know, it's, I, I say this, I, I interrupt in the, the quote because I want to make a, a point on this. Very, I remember reading this book by Robert Yancey one time, and he was talking about this little girl who in church was, she was like four or five years old, standing up in the pew, turning around, looking at the people behind her, and she was smiling. And her mom told her to turn around, sit down, and quit smiling. She was in church. Uh, but I, I think this is kind of what D. Martin Lloyd-Jones is, is speaking of here. But he says, Christian people too often seem to be perpetually in the doldrums, too often give this appearance of unhappiness and lack of freedom and absence of joy. He says there is no question that this is the main reason why large numbers of people have ceased to be interested in Christianity. Is that we have forgotten to be joyful. Uh, Jerry Bridges, uh, a few of you may have heard of Jerry Bridges. He's written a few books. Uh, but Jer- I'm looking over at Kathy because she's a Navigators fan. And, and Bridges was, he was with Navigators, right? Uh, but he's written some really, really good stuff. But, but he talks about his own experience. And, um, and he didn't really suffer from depression. Or if he did, he doesn't talk about that. Uh, but there was a time when his practice of following Jesus was less than joyful. Okay. It was less than joyful. It was uh, not without joy entirely, but with less joy than what we see in the scriptures. And so what I'm talking about here, this is something he's written about. So it's not like I'm, you know, I'm not. um, But he, he, he says this and he says, for a number of years, the virtue of joy was not very evident in my life, nor very high in my value system. Uh, with regard to Romans fourteen seventeen, and just real quickly, for those of you who don't remember Romans fourteen seventeen, uh, I'll just remind you, uh, Romans fourteen seventeen says this, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And he says, uh, for a number of years, the virtue of joy was not very evident in my life, uh, nor very high in my value system. With regard uh, to Romans fourteen seventeen, I considered myself a man of peace, and I felt I was seeking after ethical righteousness that is referred to in the passage. But I really hadn't given much thought to the importance God places on the fruit of joy in our lives. And he continues and he says this. Then one day I was reading through Romans 14. I realized that God was not satisfied with only righteousness and peace in our lives. Paul tells us very plainly that the kingdom of God is a matter not only of righteousness and peace, but also joy. Furthermore, I learned from verse 18 that without joy, my life was really not pleasing to God. That joy is supposed to be an important part of the Christian experience. Uh, Stuart Briscoe, who is uh, still living, he's 91 years old, uh, godly, godly man, uh, very, uh, just uh, a wonderful communicator of the Word of God, uh, used to pastor one of the largest churches in America, uh, 
uh, up in Wisconsin. They were Green Bay fans. They're not practicing joy today. Uh, but <laughs> we are. They're not. But, um, but, but Stuart Briscoe, he, he actually grew up in England. He grew up in England back in the 30s during the Depression. They experienced the Depression there and then the same way we did here back then. Uh, and they also went through the war in a way that we really didn't experience it as Americans. And so in his life and in his Christian experience, there was, um, because of the, the challenges of life in the Depression and life during the war, that for them, there was time to work. There was time to work, and you had to work just to make ends meet. That life was extremely challenging. And so there was time to work, and there was time to serve God. But there was very little time for what the British might call frivolity. Okay? Frivolous activity. That life was about working. Life was about serving. By the way, working and serving are good, and we're to find joy in that. Uh, but we're to find joy in every aspect of life. And uh, Briscoe began, began to become aware of this. I'm sorry. A little dry today. But, <clears throat> but Briscoe, Briscoe uh, said that uh, he began to realize that his life lacked joy. And not just joy in the Lord. He understood the importance of joy in the Lord. But joy in all the good gifts that God gives us. And good gifts, it includes things like the gift of salvation, the many spiritual blessings that we have in Christ Jesus, but also gifts like, uh, he mentioned, like friends, family, good food, just enjoying good food, nature, enjoying the outdoors, the arts, and many other gifts that God has given us in life. Uh, I would add to that hobbies. Uh, that, That for one person, it might be golf. Uh, for another person, it might be shopping. I don't know. Uh, for me, it would be riding my bike. Uh, for another person, John, it would be like out sailing. Another person, it might be fishing. But whatever it is, finding joy. Uh, and, and, and actually, I think we can enjoy God's presence on a golf course. You better than me, but we can do that. We can, I can enjoy God's presence on a bike. I do. I mean, I just enjoy being out in nature in God's presence, and just being with him. Um, so today, there. Um, uh, so the point I was going to make is this, and I think I kind of missed the point. It's very, very interesting, uh, because I've been talking about depression, and I've been talking about joy, and I'm going to back up, because I didn't say this, and I think it's important to say this, okay? It's very interesting in the 21st century, we have so many advancements in science. We have so many advancements in technology. We have so many advancements in things like the field of psychology. We have so many advancements in, in the medical field, all of these different things. And yet depression, depression is at the highest level it's ever been for us. Why? Why? And I think that the reason why might be that sometimes we know too little of the joy of the Lord. Uh, Today, there are a lot of texts of Scripture I could go to. Uh, By the way, the word joy is used 242 times in the Bible. This last week, I read every one of those passages. Okay? 
Uh, the word joy is used 242 times in the Bible, 174 times in the Old Testament. Sometimes people think of uh, the practice of, of worship among the Old Testament saints, the Old Testament people of God was austere. And I would say it was anything but austere. In fact, did you know there was only one mandated day a year for fasting in the Old Testament? Only one day a year. But there were many, many feasts and festivals. Uh, that, that the Old Testament is filled with uh, a lot of, of uh, instruction about, about joy. And the New Testament is as well. So we have 242 times in the Bible. The Bible mentions joy 174 times in the Old Testament, 68 times in the New Testament. The word rejoice appears 201 times in the Bible, 160 times in the Old Testament, and 41 times in the New Testament. That the Bible, the Bible is filled with this theme of joy and rejoicing. And if you also include words like gladness, happiness, um, uh, cheerfulness, uh, we see it even more developed throughout the scriptures. Um, Let's talk briefly about joy in the Old Testament. Psalm 68 says this. It says, may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. Look at those words, glad, rejoice, happy, joyful. That what God intended in the, for the Old Testament people of God is he intended their worship of God, their following after God, to be glad, to be, uh, to be filled with rejoicing, to be filled with gladness, to be happy, to be joyful. This was what God intended for their experience. Elsewhere in the Bible, in Deuteronomy 16, uh, just a few other places in the Old Testament, uh, Moses, write, uh, wrote, Moses uh, wrote these words. He said, be joyful at your festival, talking about the Feast of Booths. For seven days, celebrate. Celebrate. I mean, just have a great time. But celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. In Psalm 5.11, the psalmist writes, But let all who take refuge in you be glad. Let them be, sing for joy. Spread your protection over them uh, that those uh, who love your name may rejoice in you. But the Old Testament is filled with all these admonitions that we are to be uh, to rejoice, to be joyful, uh, to be glad in the Lord, to be happy in the Lord. And in, in finally, in Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah, he says this. Uh, he says to the, the, the people of Israel, and just real quickly for context, uh, the, the people of Israel, they had, had returned to the nation of Israel. This was after the exile, after their captivity in Babylon. And they returned to Jerusalem in the, the place of Judah, and they were... Um, uh, and, and, and Ezra had pulled out the book of the law, the Old Testament scriptures. And he began to read through the Old Testament scriptures with the people. They all gathered. And they all listened as Ezra would read to them from uh, the Old Testament scriptures. And then he would explain the word of God to them. And what the Bible tells us is that many of the people began to weep. Because they had never heard the scriptures. They begin to weep because they had never heard the scriptures. And finally, uh, Nehemiah said to the people, 
He said, hey, you know what? Um, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. It's kind of like Thanksgiving, okay? And they go enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send to, uh, to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy was a, a hugely important theme in how the Old Testament people of God were to follow and worship him. And it's also a hugely important theme that defines for us how God wants us to worship uh, and to follow him as well. Let's look at joy in the New Testament. Uh, I have here first uh, for you Philippians 4.4. 4. Philippians 4.4. 4. By the way, in, in the book of Philippians, if I remember correctly, the words joy, joyful, Cheer and glad are, are used like 15 times in four different chapters. It's just filled with, with this. And, and as I was preparing for this message, message for today, I was just reading through the book of Philippians several different times, just kind of reading through it again and reminding myself of how important joy is in our lives. And, and so in, in, in joy, or excuse me, in uh, Philippians 4.4, Paul writes this, he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Uh, Elsewhere in the New Testament, Romans chapter 12, the Bible says, Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Again in Romans chapter 15, the Bible says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in, um, uh, and then in, in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, the scripture says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith will produce, produces into, uh, perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking, not lacking in anything. That we are to be joyful even when we're going through trial, times of trials and difficulty. So we're to be joyful, not just in the good times, but we're to be joyful even in times of trial and testing. Now, that's something that doesn't come naturally. Okay? It doesn't come naturally. It doesn't come naturally to consider it all joy. When you go to get in your car and you try to turn it on, it doesn't start. When, you know, you get uh, a notice that, that your employment is no longer needed. When you get news from the doctor that something is wrong, maybe with yourself, maybe with a loved one, or you get a text from a friend that another friend passed away the day before and you didn't even know they were sick, that these are times of testing and trial that come into our lives And yet the scriptures tells us that we have reason to rejoice. And we are to rejoice in the Lord in the good and in in the bad. Um, What is joy? Very quickly. And so I tried to come up with my own little definition here. You may or may not like it. That's fine. But joy is more than a feeling. Okay? It's more than a feeling. That, That joy is a holy delight in God. And all that's good. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think we're supposed to delight in God. But God has given us many good things to delight in. 
So it's a, it's, it's, it's a holy delight in God, but also it's a holy delight in all things good that God has given us. That, um, by the way, the Bible says in Proverbs that to the husband, rejoice in the wife of your youth. I won't go on and quote the rest of the text to you uh, because it gets quite graphic. Uh, but it's talking about coming together in sexual intimacy. That's something to rejoice in, in the context of marriage. And so the, the scriptures tell us that, 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 that rejoicing is holy delight in God and all the, that's good. Joy is an attitude that we choose regardless of what circumstances we go through. It's something that we choose. We choose joy in the good. We choose joy in the bad. We choose joy continuously. Uh, joy isn't, um, it's an attitude that we choose regardless of circumstances we go through. Joy isn't dependent on circumstances uh, like worldlier kinds of happiness. Uh, in fact, joy is an attitude that we choose regardless of what circumstances we go through. So very quickly, uh, very quickly, I want to talk about cultivating joy. Before I do that, let me talk to you about, about uh, joy suckers. Okay? You know what a joy sucker is? It's just something that sucks the joy out of life. Have you ever had that experience? Just something that just seems to suck joy right out of you. And a few things that suck the joy out of us. By the way, joy suckers very seldom are things that come. Uh, it's almost never something that comes from outside of us, although we have a tendency to want to point to things outside of us. The joy is sucked out of us because of things that are happening in our hearts. Okay? So some joy suckers, things that will suck the joy right out of your life. Number one, legalism and bad religion. Legalism and bad religion. Galatians talks about this. Philippians talks about this. Ephesians talks about this. You find it all over the scriptures. Legalism, toxic religion, is about human uh, accomplishment. It's about... Trying to be righteous. By the way, oftentimes someone who has a really dynamic walk with Jesus may not look that different. Someone who's very legalistic may not look that different. They may do the exact same things. They just do them with an entirely different mindset. So a legalistic person might read their Bible every day. But they read it legalistically instead of reading it joyfully. Okay, it's all about mindset. Sometimes they're doing the exact same things, but doing it with a really different attitude. But, but one joy sucker is legalism and uh, toxic religion. Uh, number two, resentment. Resentment. Uh, disappointment with a person. Brooding over how someone has disappointed you. But resentment. Um, uh, nurturing grudges, ill feelings, unforgiveness will undermine joy. Griping and complaining. <laughs> griping and complaining. Um, you know, griping and complaining will drive joy and gratitude out of your life. Our joy and gratitude will drive griping and complaining out of your life. But you have to choose. Are you going to gripe and complain? Maybe about someone else or about circumstances? Are you going to choose joy and are you going to be grateful? Um, uh, envy. 
Um, India is another one. Uh, being jealous, envious toward other people. Uh, unresolved strife and conflict. Selfishness and pride. Unconfessed sin. That, that hiding a little sin in our lives and refusing it to call it sin. Oh, that's not sin. That's not sin. Uh, in, 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 but unconfessed sin. All those things are things. And if you find that you're not experiencing joy, sometimes it's really wise just to sit still before God and say, God, search me. Search my heart. Search my mind. See if there's any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And if God brings to your attention these different things, then the right thing to do is to confess and to repent. And it's in confession and repentance that once again, God will restore the joy of our salvation. In uh, Psalm chapter 51, we see an example of this. Uh, David had sinned against God, first by committing adultery with Bathsheba, uh, and then secondly, by having Bathsheba's husband Uriah killed. Uh, And it was not until he confessed his sin and repented of his sin in Psalm 51 that God restored the joy of his salvation. David did not lose his salvation, but he lost the joy of his salvation. And so David cries out in Psalm 51. He acknowledges sin, and then he says, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. How do we cultivate joy? Three things. Number one, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in everything. That's the first one. I said three things, then I I told you three things, okay? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. Um, What what I would say is, um, the Bible says rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Um, How do you do that? One of the things we've been talking about over the last few weeks, we've had different people share with you about their practice of being with the Lord daily in the Word and in prayer. And what I would say is is begin your day with communion with God. Just take time to maybe read your Bible, rejoice, pray, and give thanks. If it's better for you to do it the way Eric does later in the day, like the afternoon, that's fine. Do it then. But in the morning, just take a few minutes just to rejoice, just to rejoice in the Lord, to pray and to give thanks. Uh, and then, and then uh, to again, in the evening, before you go to bed, end your day with communion with God, rejoice, pray, give thanks. And in the in-between times, punctuate your day with communion with God, rejoicing, praying, giving thanks. But just weave rejoicing and prayer and thanksgiving into every part of your day. Number two, and by the way, sometimes these can be just really short, quick, little sentence prayers. You know, God, thank you. You Last night, Joy and I, we got to experience a very, very special answer to prayer that we had been praying for. And just in that moment, we just said, God, thank you. Thank you. Um, And it was fantastic. It was just Super exciting, but rejoicing in that and thanking God for that. Number two, continually devote devote yourself to gathering with the people of God in joyful worship. Uh, In Acts 2.42, the Bible says that the early Christians, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. You see the words continually devoting? They were continually devoting. By the way, 
Uh, the NIV simply says they were devoting themselves. This is the New American Standard Bible translation here. I prefer the NASB's uh, translation of this verse because um, the verb is uh, it's in the present tense. And the present tense in Greek doesn't have simply a time value, but it also has a value of aspect, meaning that uh, a good way to explain that is like, let's pretend like me and Conor McGregor get in a fight. Anybody know who Conor McGregor is? Okay. How many of you think I can take Connor? Okay, one person. Fantastic. Here's my Brandon, my two new my my best friends, okay? So let's pretend for a moment Connor McGregor and I we get in a fight and I hit Connor McGregor. Okay? And what what does Connor McGregor do? He hits me. See, in both cases we hit, but one hits punctuated. One time, the other one hits and keeps hitting. That's the sense of the word devoting and devotion here. It is continual devotion. It is devotion. Devotion. You know what it means to be devoted to someone? It's devotion. It is devotion. It is something that, that's treasured. It's something that's, pre- that's treasured. It is practiced because it's treasured. It's not practiced legalistically. It's practiced because it's deeply, deeply valued. And how did the early Christians uh, devote themselves? They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. By the way, this, the Word of God. They, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, the Word of God, to fellowship, loving one another, building friendship with one another, spending time enjoying one another, um, to, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. This is kind of a technical term here. Uh, could mean meals together, but probably more likely refers to practicing communion, where we remember the cross of Christ, uh, the blood and body of Christ. Uh, and then finally, to prayer. And so this was their continual practice and their continual devotion. A uh, third way to cultivate joy in your life is see the good and choose joy in the hard times as well as the good. See the good. See the good. Choose joy in the hard times as well as the good. James says it like this. He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. He is saying, choose joy. That's what he's saying. He's saying, choose joy. Consider it all joy, uh, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know, why? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces, this is my wife's favorite Greek word. What is it, Tweet? Hupomone. Anybody who's ever been in my wife's uh, Bible study, you've probably heard the word hupomone. Okay? It's that bearing up under trial or difficulty. Okay? But... Uh, because you know that the testing of your faith produces hupomone, perseverance. Let hupomone, perseverance, finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. The point I wanted to make here 
is, yes, choose joy, but also see the good in trials. Trials that come to us. See the good. See that it's through trials. See, I'm not saying that you have to be joyful for every trial that you go through. But you are to be joyful in every trial that you go through. Why? See the good. See the good. God's doing something good in you. He who began a good work in you will carry it through to the, uh, to the day of Christ Jesus. He'll see it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And part of how God does that is through trials and difficulty. Testing. It's kind of like you take, you take a piece of coal. You take a piece of coal. You put it under immense pressure and heat. And you know what you get? A diamond. That's how diamonds are made. Diamonds are just little lumps of coal that have been under great pressure and extreme heat for a long time. And that's how diamonds are made. And what God is doing in our lives when he's taking us through difficult times is that it is God who's taking us through it. And it's God who's creating something very valuable and precious in us that's more valuable than a diamond. That we need to see the good and choose joy in the hard times as well as the good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come back up. Uh, How do we cultivate joy in our lives? Uh, Rejoicing always, praying without ceasing, giving thanks in everything. How do we cultivate joy? By continually devoting ourselves to gathering with the people of God in joyful worship. And how do we cultivate joy in our lives? By seeing the good and choosing joy in the hard times as well as as the good. Uh, Let me pray for us. God, you are great. You are good. You are awesome. Uh, You are always faithful. Uh, God, you are gracious and merciful. Uh, God, we want to... uh, We want to thank you. We want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you for sending him to die for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for dying for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're preparing a place for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're coming again for us. Uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are leading us, guiding us, directing us, uh, that you are guiding us in truth. We ask you to empower us. Uh, Holy Spirit, we ask you uh, to empower us Uh, so that we begin to live out the fruit of the Spirit, uh, your fruit in our lives. Uh, Joy, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And God, we pray that you will help us uh, to choose joy in all things for the honor and the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Gary. This uh, series is just proving to be uh, pretty cool, don't you think? Doing a deep dive into the fruit of the Spirit and seeing how it can be applied in our lives. And um, a couple of things I want to mention before Elsa and I do our closing song. And we've talked about it today, and you know, I, I think it's something we really can't talk about enough, is that during this Life in the Spirit Challenge, which is really just kind of getting started 
Uh, I want to remind you about the four things that we want to encourage you to do. Number one is, you know, making uh, this right now, what's happening here on Sunday mornings, a priority. Uh, coming together to worship a priority. Joining a group as well. Making that a priority. Being in God's Word daily. Making that a priority. And Eric, thank you again for sharing your, uh, your thoughts with us earlier. And then uh, praying Galatians 5. 13 to 26. So I think with all of us doing that together, who knows what God might do? Who knows what God might do in our church, in our community, in your life? So I hope you'll join me in committing yourself to that. And then finally, uh, I want to let you know that on uh, Sunday, February 6th, the first Sunday of February, we will be having our next revival prayer gathering. And Gary, I appreciate you leading us in revival prayer earlier. You know, it's really fun uh, to come together and we we, we just kind of sit here in the front and, and chairs are in a circle. I pull out the guitar. We do a few songs together. And then we just spend time praying for our community, for our church, for our families, um, for revival. Because as Gary made it very clear earlier, it is something that only he can do. So I invite you to make that uh, to put that on your calendar, February 6th at 6.30 p.m. right here. Please come down and join us for that. We'd be honored to have you. So with that, let's stand together and let's worship God together one more time. All right, let's put our hands together just like this, everybody. Yeah. Praise, praise him, you stars above, galaxies all in motion. Praise him, you thunderclouds, ringing throughout the heavens. From every mountain top to every wild ocean, oh, hear all the universe sing sing praise let everything that breathes let all the earth proclaim great is the Lord our God praise him forever let all that is within me magnify his name great is the Lord our God Praise Him forever. Praise Him forever. Praise Him, your beating hearts. Sing for the life He's given. Praise Him, you rescued ones. Join in the sound of heaven From every mountain top To every wild ocean Oh, hear all the universe sing praise Oh, sing praise Let everything that breathes Let all the earth proclaim Great is the Lord our God, praise Him forever.
And on that note, I thank you so very much for being here today. Have a wonderful week, and we will see you next time.